Math Nights is dedicated to building the problem solvers of tomorrow. We set our quest beyond the test and inspire Math Nights for life. If you would like to connect with us, please feel free to follow us at hashtag Math Nights or follow me at rmartiellonpsd. We look forward to learning with you. Hello, Math Knights. This is Ron Martiello, and let me know if you've ever had these thoughts. I wish my students could be better problem solvers. I wish they could make sense of math problems, and I wish they could persevere better when solving them. If you've had these thoughts, then this is your episode. Today, we are going to take a look at standard math practice number one, numero uno, making sense of problems and persevering through them. We're going to dissect this practice. We're going to take a look at the language of this practice. And we're going to take a deeper dive into its meaning. And I hope that on the other side, as we gain a little better understanding of this, that we can take a look at our own teaching practice and see where we might be able to make some tweaks. I'm going to offer you some of my input into this, but your input is always welcome. So sit back, relax, have your cup of coffee, and let's talk about making sense of problems and persevering through them. So please bear with me as I read to you SMP number one as it is seen on the Common Core State Standards Initiative website. I'm going to scroll down here and here we go. Mathematically proficient students start by explaining to themselves the meaning of a problem and looking for entry points to its solution. They analyze givens, constraints, relationships, and goals. They make conjectures about the form and meaning of the solution and plan a solution pathway rather than simply jumping into a solution attempt. They consider analogous problems and try special cases and simpler forms of the original problem in order to gain insight into its solution, they monitor and evaluate their progress and change course if necessary. Older students, depending on the context of the problem, transform algebraic expressions or change the viewing window of their graphing calculator to get the information they need. Mathematically proficient students can explain correspondences between equations, verbal descriptions, tables, and graphs or diagrams of important features and relationships, graph data, and search for regularity or trends. Younger students might rely on using concrete objects or pictures to help conceptualize and solve a problem. Mathematically proficient students 
check their answers to problems using a different method. And they continually ask themselves, does this make sense? They can understand the approaches of others to solving complex problems and identify correspondences between different approaches. Thank you so much for listening to that definition. As I read it, it's your turn though, Math Knights. This is where I would like you to pause the podcast and do a brain dump. I want you to write down three key phrases you heard. If you need to rewind the podcast or you need to take a look at the website, I have the link in the description. Three key phrases that jump out at you that you feel are most important as you draw meaning from SMP number one. I'm going to do the same thing and I'm going to share my input on the other side. All right, Math Knights, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to kind of write down your your brain dump, your ideas, your takeaways, uh, key phrases that you heard. I'm going to warn you right now, I cheated. I cheated. I couldn't come up with just three. But what I did was I did lump them into three big ideas. So uh, so bear with me <laughs> as I go through this. Um, the first big idea is about like entry points and pathways. So making sure the students understand the problem so that they can find an entry point into it. And that entry point might be a model. That might be a drawing. It might be an equation. It could be mental math. Like having students find an entry point into the problem is very uh, important. I know that I would walk around my classroom and I'd encourage kids to go sit on the floor with friends who, who thought like-mindedly, who had similar entry points into the problem, you guys go solve it together. And and the students who were left in the seats kind of looking at me like the deer in the headlights look, those are the kids who didn't have an entry point. I'd ask them, do you have an entry point into the problem? They'd say no. I said, okay, let's go find one. We do a gallery walk around the room, trying to find their entry point and making a connection. Pathways too, entry points and pathways. Pathways to a solution and not just jumping to a solution attempt. What does this mean? I always like to come at problems and analyze problems with students from those six situation types. The three additive situations, add to take away, separating joining, compare additive comparison. With the multiplicative situation types, we have equal groups, arrays, and multiplicative comparisons. I always kind of try to approach my questioning through those big ideas in problem structures and asking students, like, what's your pathway? Does this look like this type of problem or that type of problem. Then the next step is, okay, what's the unknown piece? What are we looking for? What are we searching for? Rather than just jumping in and taking two numbers, multiplying, dividing, adding, subtracting, and crossing our fingers. The next piece is part of that process. So I had entry points and pathways. And the big idea number two is about how students are monitoring and evaluating their own work. Like as they are on this pathway, does this lead them to not just finding the answers, but to justify that answer? And does it make sense? I heard that uh, toward the end of the definition. Does this make sense? But also allowing room for students to change course. Math, we promote precision so, so much, but it's okay for kids in their pathway as they're monitoring, evaluating, 
to have them change course and change their thinking. It's okay. And they need to understand that when they hit a wall or they hit a problem and they're, they're stuck, that there might be another course to take. Then the last part about the definition that jumps out of me is that connecting with others and measuring our approach or, or comparing our approach to the pr approach of others and making the connections like, okay, we might have approached this differently, but we have, we still are coming to the same solution. We're still utilizing the same concepts. I've just come at it from a different way. And even then that can help them to evaluate and make those course changes if they need to. But it also prevents kids from making assertions like, well, just believe me. I got the answer. Just believe me. I got it. It helps them to justify those solutions when they're making those connections, which also connects to SMP number three, making viable arguments and connecting to the work of others. So those are my big three idea, ideas that my takeaways, entry points and pathways, making sure that when we're on that pathway, we're evaluating, changing course if things don't make sense, and then checking our work against the work of others. Like how are their approaches the same? How are they different? How do we come to the same solution? So after reviewing this definition uh, and talking about the process of sense-making, let's talk about what it's not. Um, Problem-solving is not solely reliant on getting an answer. Lots of students can assert an answer or get it to an answer quickly without going on this journey without making sets of things and being able to make connections. And we want them to think beyond a solution. Precise solutions are important. However, if we are assessing how students are making sense of problems and persevering through them, the answer isn't going to give us all the information that we need. So I would find ways to assess kids during learning through anecdotal notes, through checklists, through conversation assessments, through interview assessments, and just listening in on those awesome learning experiences. This process cannot be rushed with trick words and phrases. Trick words like in all or uh, you know, more than, less than, using trick words can lead to misconceptions. And if students rely on trick words, like, oh, if I see this word, it's plus, and if I see that word, it's this, there's a bigger idea. And we need to make sure that students are thinking more along lines of entry points and pathways as they relate to the situation and what they're trying to solve for, and that they're you know, evaluating their process and does it make sense. So trick words really are not gonna help them with that. And like I said, Many times, third, fourth, fifth grade teachers, they're looking at these things that are happening and kids getting things wrong. And it's because of these misconceptions with trick words, because what they mean in earlier grades, these words may not mean in later grades. Another tip I have to offer you would be to make sure that you take a look at the way you're having students solve problems to see if it is too narrow for this broad definition. 
of making sense of problems and persevering through it. There are systems out there that promise to have students efficiently look at words and draw circles and underline and do all kinds of stuff and do this step, then that step, then this step. Take a look at that process objectively. Compare it to the definition and the things that step uh, that stand out to you in SMP number one. Does your process fit the goal of making sense and persevering through them? Use the definition to guide you and to truly see if this fits and empowers kids to be problem solvers or limits them to one way. One final knot that I'd like to put out there. Notice how the definition didn't talk about kids trying harder and it didn't talk about grit. It was mostly about the process taking a look at their own thinking, allowing them room to think and try different methods and connecting to the work of others. Perseverance is found through the process. It is not inborn. It is not like this special talent or special quality that kids are just born with or not born with. By journeying through the process, they gain perseverance knowing that there's more than one way to solve a problem, know that when I get stuck, I could change course, knowing that I can connect with others and check my ideas against them and always asking myself, does this make sense? Perseverance happens along the way through this process. All right, Math Knights, I, I want to thank you for, for giving me your valuable time and, and giving your time to this community. I hope that you were able to find some big takeaways from the definition of standard math practice number one, making sense of problems and persevering through them. I look forward to hearing your input and your insight on hashtag Math Knights on Twitter, or feel free to direct message me. I'd be happy to have a conversation with you about it. I also hope that by providing that definition, you're able to take a look at your own practice and see where you can broaden your understanding so that it better fits that definition, but ultimately so that it empowers your students to be able to conquer those problems. Take care, Math Knights. I want to thank you for taking your valuable time to listen to the Math Nights podcast today. Again, if you'd like to connect with us on Twitter, just search for the hashtag Math Nights Digital Community. You could also find me at R Martiello NPSD. You could also find this podcast on a number of different platforms. So please search for us on your favorite platform and feel free to leave us a review. We'd greatly appreciate it. Take care, Math Knights.